We're very much continuing our, our series on the secret of singularity, and the title of the sermon this afternoon is One Thing I Do. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians 3, and I'm reading verses 12 through 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this, or I'm already perfect, but I press on in to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So we want to explore this verse by verse this afternoon. So we'll start from verse 12, and then we'll do 13, and then we will do verse 14. The important thing here in verse 12 to note is that Paul is recognizing that he has not yet made it in his Christian walk. He has not obtained everything that there is to be perfect. And rather than that diminishing his desire to press forward in the things of God, it actually energizes and empowers him to continue to move forward. So I want to start with a question for you this afternoon, so you're more than welcome to take notes. What is the biggest piece of baggage holding you back this afternoon? If you know anything about me, I love airports. One day I am going to pack a bag and I'm going to go to Heathrow when I've got annual leave And you've seen these like YouTube videos where people do it, where they just like throw a dart and whatever city comes up, they fly. So you might have like shorts and t-shirts, but you're off to like Vancouver, which is a little high risk at the best of times. But baggage, I want you to think about the last time you went to the airport. If you're anything like me, I'm ruthlessly efficient. I pack only what I need. And this is in no way indicative of any specific gender, but run with the analogy for a minute. How many times have you seen someone lugging a bag through an airport? You know, you you put it in the carousel, the TSA officer asks you, did you pack the bags yourself? The answer is always yes. Are all the contents yours? The answer to that is always yes. What's happening there? You're taking ownership for what's in your bag. And I want to suggest to you that there may be occasions, maybe just once in your entire life, where you took more stuff on holiday than you needed to. Furthermore, I want to suggest to you this afternoon that there may be one or two of us in this place we're carrying some baggage that we don't need to carry for you to be agile, for you to be efficient, for you to go forward in the things of God. You need to have those four-wheel, 360-degree ones with the TSA lock, and you can fly through the airport, and you have only what you need to carry because the baggage is going to slow you down. The baggage is going to slow you down in your walk with God. And you know the worst thing about it? It's a self-inflicted wound. Unless you say, my mom packed my bag for me, right? Which you can't say at an airport. You are responsible for what you carry. You are responsible for the hurt, for the pain, for the unforgiveness, whatever it is that's negative, that's holding you back in your life. You are responsible for it. So you need to nail that to the cross or... You do the embarrassing thing, which I've had to do only once, where you have to empty your suitcase and repack it all to try and make it all fit, which isn't the way that God wants us to live. Why? Because regrets from our past sins can stop us living a joyful, grounded, and fulfilled life 
in Christ. So I ask that question again. What is the biggest regret? What is the biggest thing holding you back right now today in your walk from God? Some of us, it's just the memory of a sin is enough to haunt us, to paralyze us from moving forward in what God has for us. Self-doubt can creep in and we can begin to identify more with our flaws than our potential. Breaking news, God can still use you. Nudge the person next to you and just remind them of that this afternoon. In spite of your flaws, in spite of your challenges, in spite of the issues, God can still use you. I want to give you a recommendation this afternoon. That there are two antidotes to that baggage, which Paul really identifies here. Number one, be honest about your current journey with Christ. Perfect Christians don't exist. Can I get an amen? amen? Say it for the people at the back. Perfect Christians don't exist. Yeah, amen. The important thing for us to recognize is when we come to church Sunday by Sunday, we have to be honest. We have to be honest in our journey. And so often the danger is the person next to you is standing, they've got their hands raised when they should, they give when they should, they say amen when they should, they praise God. Everything in their life on the surface looks amazing. Nudge the person next to you again and say, how you doing? Check out, find out how they are actually doing. Because Paul has recognized in this moment that he has not yet arrived. There is still a journey to go. Too often we think we're the only person going through the problem. The number of times I hear the words, if only you understood. Because I have never been through sin, I have never been through a challenge, I have never been through an issue. But we can personalize it too much. Honesty will get you a long way in the kingdom of God. Number two, God's plans have to be your plans. You should write that down. God's plans have to be your plans. If you're going to press forward towards the goal that God has called you to, you need to know what that plan looks like. You need to be in line with that plan. Too often as Christians, Lord, your kingdom come, but my will be done. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We need to want to want what God wants us to have every single time. Faith is not the result of striving. It is the result of surrender. And it comes from the heart, not the mind. So it's not about you logically trying to work out what you think God's plan is. It's about you stepping out in faith towards what God has for you. A renewed mind enhances your faith every single time. It fuels you with understanding. Your hunger for God will never go beyond your humility as humility recognizes personal need. And here's another important as aspect to consider. Never fear criticism. Paul had gone through a lot. We know his journey, we know his story. Never fear criticism, fear conformity. That will stunt your soul. You will never have everyone's approval and God's anointing at the same time. Facts. Paul recognized that. He had been through a lot. He had gone through every challenge that there probably was to go through as a Christian, and yet he did not allow that to distort, to diminish, or in any way erode the call that God had placed on his life. He was obedient to it all the way through. Let's look at verse 13. One thing I do. So there's singularity attached to that statement. One thing. It screams priority. Singular focus, urgency, one thing. What is the one thing that you do 
each and every day for the Lord. Take some time to think about that. You have to keep a forward focus at every time. And I think tunnel vision is very important because we can all get distracted, yeah? The spirit of distraction can be upon God's people. And I want to suggest to you that actually having tunnel vision removes the distractions from your life. And we often think that, hey, I need to add to my life in order to add to my life. I want to suggest to you sometimes actually deleting from your life actually adds to your life. Yeah, deleting things, deleting people, deleting going to certain situations, deleting getting yourself involved in stuff that actually has nothing to do with God's call on your life. When you develop tunnel vision, everything else is secondary. Everything else is secondary because you have a singular focus on what God has called you to do. Now, the reality is we live in London, so there's a million and one things. There's people, there's work, there's family, there's tensions everywhere, all wrestling and fighting for your time. You don't live a balanced life, you live a life of priority. How many people here like, I don't know, Coronation Street? Don't put, please don't put your hand up. Emmerdale, any of these soaps, right? If you could only watch one of them, because you only have one TV in your house, then whatever, I'm guessing if you're married, gentlemen, whatever your wife says goes, right? That will be on the TV, period. There's no discussion. Why? That's the priority. When I watch a football match, you'll know what team I support, right? Arsenal. So whoever they're playing, they, they could be playing the KT football team in some muddy field behind the church. I'm watching it because they're my team. That's my priority. What is your priority this afternoon? Are you walking the walk of faith? Are you living the life that God has called you to live? Because when you crowd out all the other stuff that wants to clutter your life, you're left with simplicity. Simplicity of heart, simplicity of focus, and then there's no excuses that can be generated. Oh, I'm so sorry, I forgot to do it. I got distracted. No, 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 because it's your priority. It's hard to keep focus when you've got lots of things contending for your time and for your attention. Some things are not necessary, but we still allow them into our lives. Get rid of the distractions. I want to suggest there's two ways that we struggle to move forwards. Perhaps you're a little bit like me on occasions, the good old days. You know that expression? Maybe it's your football team, maybe it's life, maybe it was your marriage, maybe it's a work situation, home situation. We just, we, we reminisce on the good old days, how things used to be, what God used to do in my life, how he used to use me, how many times I used to go on mission. God did it before he can do it again. But where's the appetite? Where's the desire? Where's the, where's the sense that I'm going to move towards actually what God has called me to do? We don't need to sit around reflecting on the good old days. We need to focus on what God is doing in our lives now. Or maybe we have the other problem. Instead of looking at our past successes, we focus on our failures. Never let your past hold your future hostage. Go back to the baggage. What you, you will decide how much you want to carry this afternoon. And the reality is when we move from that towards the freedom that he has already paid on the cross for us, endless possibilities. Endless possibilities. Because we recognize who God is and what he is doing and how he is operating in our lives. Because we can wallow in self-pity. I've done it. I used to think that there was stuff that I had done, things that I had said, things that I'd even done to people 
that voided what God could do in and through me. I'm not perfect. Clearly, I've got my flaws, right? But the reality is that God can still use you. The question you have to ask yourselves are, do you want to be defined and dictated to by your failures or your past, or do you want to move into a glorious, healthy, vibrant, victorious future in and through Christ? I'll tell you one thing, you can't have both. You either live from the past or you move towards that and you abandon that and you move towards the potential glorious victory and future that he has already afforded for you. But how much you focus on this will define how much success you have there. So I want to suggest for some of us this afternoon, we need to let go of some stuff. We need to empty our suitcases. We need to declutter our mind and our hearts from some of the stuff that is holding us back. We need to strain for what's ahead. The word strain in the dictionary has two definitions, to exert yourself to the uppermost or to make an unusually great effort. How many of us know, if you've been a Christian for 10 minutes, it's a bit of an effort, the Christian life, from time to time, yeah? Amen? Just me? Yeah, okay, good. It takes effort. You are saved by grace, but that doesn't mean everything just stops there. Faith is not a decision that you made in the past that has no effect on your life today. Faith is something that you need to live out and work on each and every day. If you are going to keep a forward focus in your life, you need to get rid of the distractions, forget what is behind, and focus on what is ahead. And there's only one way to do that, and that's to have a singular focus. You know, it, I love this portion of scripture because there's so many like running analogies that I could use. And I've shared with one or two of you guys before that I used to do long distance running. And I don't do it anymore. I probably should think about it. But the reality is when you do long distance running, one element comes into play every time. You need to persevere. Make no mistake, the Christian race is not Mr. Usain Bolt who runs 100 meters in 9.58 seconds. It is not even taking your dog to the park for a nice walk. It's not you strolling down to the shops on your high street. It is a marathon. You need to build spiritual muscles and endurance in order to run the race that Christ has already set before you so that you can run like Mr. Farah here, who regularly runs 10, 20, 30,000 meters in order to win the prize that God has called you to. And it takes endurance. It's going to take Sacrifice. So let's look at verse 14. I press on towards the goal, one, to win the prize, one, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. When you run a race, you're in it for the long haul. You ask anyone that's ever run any race more than a thousand meters or a couple of kilometers, your body's going to get to a point where it says no more. It's called the wall. It's where the mind says yes, the body is saying no. You are going to hit the wall in your Christian faith. You're going to have a challenge. If you never have any challenges in your Christian faith, I would question your salvation. Jesus never said it would be easy. Psalm 34 verse 19, the righteous endure many, not one, many, trials, plural, and struggles, plural, but what? The Lord delivers them from each and every one. Lay aside the distractions. Focus on one thing. When you run a race, you never look back. Unless you're Usain Bolt, 
where you might look just to your right as you go over the finish line. You never see any runner ever look behind them. The, the, the challenges are not behind them, the challenge is in front of them, the finish line. And they need to get to it before anyone else does. Build the spiritual muscles, develop resilience and stamina in your life. This verse is all about perseverance and pers purposeful living. You need to persevere. In order to persevere, you need to have a purpose. Amen? So, the Olympic runners, why do they run 10,000 meters? Why do they put themselves through the years of training? Why do they go through the, um, these, what do you call these, ice bucket things that they sit in after they've trained? Why do they do all of that? Because at the end of it, they want 2.8 pounds worth of gold, silver, or bronze. That's why they do it. We're doing it for so much more. It should take much more of our sacrifice, much more of our heart, much more of our effort. We need to keep our eyes on the goal. So my next question is, what is your goal for 2020? If you had one goal, if God could do one thing in your life this year, what would it be? If you don't have one, you should be thinking about having one because otherwise your life will just meander and you will float around and you won't actually be intentional about achieving very, very much in your Christian walk. And yet you've been called to win the prize here. You're not even called to take part, right? The reality is if we all went and decided to run 10,000 meters against Mr. Farah, we're all just taking part, right? Let's keep it real for a second. Nobody is beating him in this room unless you're a secret Olympian. So we're just taking part for the fun of it. But no, you're called to win the prize right here. There's certainty attached to that. Finish, focus on the finish line. Remember why you are running the race that you are running. Now what happens as you get closer to the finish line? Unless you're Mr. Bolt, like I said in 2008, where he's dancing over the line with one shoelace undone because he's so much better than everyone else, you speed up as you get towards the finish line. In your Christian walk, every year, you want to run faster, you want to run harder, you want to be able to develop those spiritual muscles so that you finish strong for all that God has called you to do. You have one stadium in which we run our Christian race, here on earth, right now, right here, where you do work, where you do life, where you do your ministry, that is the stadium in which you are running. You have only one prize that you are running for, and that's the heavenly glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The race is set before the saints. You are to run the race as marked out by him and his word. There's no alternative routes. With any of these Olympians, they can't just decide to go on diversions or you know, run around the outside of the stadium and then come back. No, no, no. They've got to run within the parameters in order to win that prize. God has given us parameters in how to live our lives in and through his word. We must look to him for guidance, encouragement, support, strength, and direction. He knows the course. He knows the route because he mapped it out. You can only run and move forwards if you're intentional about it. So intentionality in your walk with Jesus this year has to be everything. You're not taking part. You're not going to do the best you can. We heard a sermon this morning from Pastor Tayo preaching from Philippians 4 verse 13 that says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen? So we can achieve, but you will need to have courage, 
regardless of the route, regardless of the conditions. You know, no Olympian goes, well, it's rainy and I'm not going to run today. I'll just surrender the gold medal that I trained for. No, no, no. Same thing for us in our Christian walk. We need to decide, irrespective of the circumstances, we're going to give it our best. We're going to be focused on what God has called us to do. We're going to run that race. We're going to win that prize. Amen? So quick summary. Your past does not disqualify you from serving, growing, or giving God your very, very best. You are still valuable in God's eyes. But as we confess and abandon our sin, we move away from it. Our past does not hold our future hostage, and God is in full control of our lives. Remember also to celebrate the victories that God has given you. That's something else that I don't think as Christians we're we're necessarily the best at. Everyone should be able to stand on this platform and share a testimony of God's goodness, of victories, of breakthroughs, of miracles, of provision, of abundance, of favor. But so often we focus on what we don't have or on what he's not done versus on what he is doing or what he has done. And the next point, be accountable. Paul was clearly accountable. He's clearly being honest here. So build those healthy, accountable, wholesome friendships with each other. Trust, build that intentionality, build the relationships, take the time to get to know the people in yourselves so that you can run that race together, so that you can endure that race together, so that you can overcome the challenges that will happen together. So here's the conclusion. Number one, never avoid God's ways of maturing you. You cannot be passive in your Christian life. Passivity has no place in the Christian life. Absolutely none. Stay focused. Develop that singular mindset. And you will go through a season, perhaps for example if you're at university, where your priority is your essays and all the stuff that you need to do in order to get your degree. And that's okay, that's a season. Perhaps you've just got married, well your priority should be your spouse. Perhaps you've just had a child, well that's gonna be a lifelong thing. But, but certainly in the first months, as the baby needs changing, the baby needs feeding, you're getting up every two hours, that's your priority. So my last question is, what is your priority for 2020? What is your key goal or achievement that you're seeking to do? Because in doing that, you will run that race, you will win that prize. But I go back to it, and on this I close. If you look at any of those Olympians, they're not running those races in Timberlands and North Face jackets, yeah? And baggy jeans. They're running it in like the lightest, most aerodynamic clothing that you can get that probably weighs less than a regular cell phone. Why? They want to minimize any baggage, any attempt that could distort or diminish or affect their ability to win that race. Why? Because they know that can make the difference between winning and losing. And you see it a lot of times, fractions of a second, make the difference between you getting a gold medal and you getting a silver medal. So what do you want? Do you want a silver medal? Anyone? No, we want a bronze medal. Do we want to take part? Who wants to finish eighth out of eighth in the 100 meters? No. Who wants the gold medal? Let me hear you say it. Amen. Amen. Come on. For that to be achieved, we need to get rid of the baggage. We need to be honest about where we are in our Christian walk. 
We need to develop, develop resilience. We need to build those friendships. We need to understand God's plan for our lives. We need to have tunnel vision, singular focus. And then we need to strive, and we need to strain, and we need to stretch, and we need to grow in our Christian walk so that we can run that race to win that prize.